0: The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death While he was speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. It was a quiet morning at the Cleveland Clinic, and I was near the end of an overnight on-call shift as I made my way to visit the family of a patient who had just died. It was also at this point that I got trapped in an elevator for the second time in my life. Now, it's not like my delay was going to change the outcome of this particular patient visit, but the claustrophobic experience of what felt like an eternity, but what was in actuality probably less than five minutes, already had me frazzled when I stepped off the elevator into the ward where the family was waiting for me. There were maybe four or five family members, including the man's wife and stepchildren, when I walked into the room. After I introduced myself, it was clear that this wasn't a bereavement visits, or at least not yet. As I sat there and talked with the family and listened to their stories, it wasn't lost on me that they continued to speak of their spouse and their parents in the present tense. Because the doctor had not yet come, he was not officially pronounced dead. We need verification, they kept saying, holding out hope for a miracle, the man's wife repeated. Up against real-life stories like these, it can be difficult to hear stories in the gospel of miraculous healings, And these stories are miraculous. They are profound, beautiful stories. 12 years. That's how long the woman with hemorrhages had suffered. Isolated from her community, all of her resources and the medical knowledge of her day, exhausted. Exasperated and out of options, she makes a desperate attempt. If I can just touch his clothes. 12 years. That's how old Jairus' daughter is. We don't know the details of her condition or how long she had been sick. We do know that at only 12 years of age, she is at the point of death. If the woman with hemorrhages had spent all that she had, then surely Jairus, a leader of the synagogue and a man with great privilege and resources, had spent even more exasperated and out of options, he finds himself no better off than this other woman. Two very different people in different situations, both desperate, seeking healing at a point when there doesn't seem to be a reason for hope, when death is lurking and 12 long years have passed with no answers, turning to the one last place they can think of help. Who among us wouldn't try every last option? And that desperation makes the experience of healing when it does come even more profound. When all hope seems to be lost, Jesus steps in and makes a long-suffering woman well again. And when Jairus's worst fear comes true, when Jesus's delay costs Jairus's daughter her life, Even in the face of laughter, Jesus orders her to get up, and immediately she does. Now, the stories of the healing of the woman with hemorrhages and the raising of Jairus' daughter are completed miracles, we might say. But what about the incomplete miracles? Like my experience of sitting with a grieving family. When the doctor finally comes to pronounce their spouse and parent dead, we know incomplete miracles all too well. When the diagnosis comes, it's cancer. When the phone rings at 1 a.m., she's in the hospital. When the doctor walks into the waiting room, I'm sorry, he didn't make it. We all know people who have lived with untreatable illness. We have all lost loved ones to death and not seen them brought back to life in this world. We know incomplete miracles. Why could there not be just one relatable story in our gospels of a person who died and was not raised or who was sick and not healed? What promise do these miraculous healing stories hold for us in these moments we know all too well? It's easy to fall into the dangerous trap when we talk about these healing stories in the Gospels of putting our focus on the physical cure. A trap because it's not really the point. Dangerous because it only leads us to question why healings like that don't seem to happen anymore. But in this pair of healing stories, I think the emphasis is so much more on what the healings mean. Jairus is deeply grieved over the very real possibility of losing his daughter, of being separated from his family. The woman with hemorrhages is exasperated, having exhausted every attempt for medical treatment for a condition that has only gotten worse, leaving her as an outcast cut off from her own community. When Jesus heals them, yes, he cures them physically, but more importantly, he also restores them to community. And that's what healing stories in the Gospels are all about. Restoration to community and the promise of life going forward. To borrow a phrase from the world of improv theater, these healing stories are about, yes, and. Yes, a girl is raised from the dead, and she is restored to her family. Yes, a woman is healed of 12 long years of bleeding and illness, and she is called daughter. She is sent forth in peace and reunited with her community. So what of the incomplete miracles then? Where is the healing and the promise for the family of the spouse and parents finally pronounced dead? Last week in our story, the miracle wasn't so much that Jesus calmed the storm. The miracle was that Jesus was present in the boat with the disciples in the midst of it all. And this week, I think the gospel promise is similar. The miracle isn't the medical cure. The miracle is the presence of the community made well and whole by the word of Jesus. The miracle is in the community that surrounds us, that supports us, that keeps us going forward no matter what. Yes, Jesus did complete many miracles in the pages of the Gospels, and we know where this story takes us. Jesus himself entered fully into loss, suffering, rejection, all the way to the cross. Through the cross, God knows well the pain of incomplete miracles. And we know that even there, even there, God is with us. And through the resurrection, Jesus promises the completion of incomplete miracles. The story of these two healings leading up to the cross and resurrection teaches us that in this world of now and not yet, God's promises still prevail. Community will replace our isolation. Abundance, not scarcity, will be a reality. Miracles that are incomplete will be completed. And even in the face of death, God brings new life to us and to all of creation.